Ladies and gentlemen, it is showtime. Please welcome the team of the Fulhamish Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Fulhamish Podcast. We are your independent voice of Fulham FC. My name is Sammy James and tonight we'll be discussing Saturday's defeat by Nottingham Forest as a clinical display from the Tricky Trees left Fulham on the end of an unexpected defeat. It was a game marred by missed opportunities and multiple bouts of time-wasting. Ironic then that I'm joined by two men who waste more time than most watching Fulham, Don Betts. Hello, hello. And Jack Kelly. Good evening. Well, it was a disappointing game on Saturday, uh, especially after what had been a brilliant performance uh, against Millwall. Uh, lots of good three-word reviews. Uh, Dom, what were your favourites? So, obviously, I'll start off with, uh, obviously, uh, Ben Taylor, the magic more champagne on ice. Obviously, everyone sort of getting carried away with our 4-0 victory midweek. Carried and away? Fulham fans, never. Um, you got Josh Whitcomb with Championship going to Championship. Uh, Steve Lee with Very Fecking Fulhamish. Uh, Jay Hartnessall with Time Wasting Exercise. And James Peters was forest fire burn. We'll definitely come on to the time wasting because, well, it was very, very frustrating to say the least. Um, it was an unchanged lineup for Scott Parker once again, third match in a row with, with Steven Sessignon starting at right back. Uh, and he didn't have the best start to this game because after four minutes, a goal came down his side and... I've got to admit, it was a lovely, lovely goal from Forrest, but certainly not the way we would have uh, wanted to start after what was such a great game on Wednesday, Jack. Um, yeah, we got a taste of our medicine, um, be it conceding a goal after um, some really ne- neat, nice football from Nottingham Forest. Um, there were opportunities to foul Jolo, as we, as we discussed earlier. And um, yeah, I just thought we started really, really slowly, really poorly. And, and, and when that ball came in, you just knew Graben was going to score. I could see it from the stands from a mile off and... Uh, not the way you want to start a game, especially off the back of a really good win on Wednesday night. It, there's a really interesting tweet that's come out today, Dom, and it's from Blades Analytic, who is a great account. He's he's a Sheffield United fan that's big into data. Uh, he actually works for Peterborough. Um, I, I hear him referenced on quite a lot of podcasts. And then he's talking about Forrest versus Fulham. I mean, just sort of covering every team under the sun. Really, but he says, great goal, but I'm more focused on what it confirms to me is Fulham's huge weakness. Out of possession, just no structure, no intensity to pressure the ball and not smart enough to either block passing lanes or take the foul in build-up to stop the attack. And it's very, very true. Yes, it's good, neat passing by Nottingham Forest, but we're showing them so much respect there. Yes, it's lovely that Fulham played this beautiful passing football and we're such an easy on-the-eye team to watch, but foul Joe Lolly. Kick him, knock him down. It's the centre circle. I mean, Man City have shown in the past few seasons they're the masters of the, of the tactical foul. Uh, and Scott Parker and his team need, need to have a little bit of a watch sometimes. Yeah, I think... I don't think this is news to anyone. I think a lot of Fulham fans know this. I think if one goal that reminds me kind of last season was when we were away at Spurs at Wembley and I think it's Eric Lamello who just runs through the middle of the park and no one even touches him. I think Johansson had a few chances to bring him down. I think if you're looking at the goal and when the ball goes to their left-hand side, if you look at where Knockart and Steven Session are, they're sort of in the middle of the box and not within 5-10 yards of Hummel but the play whips the ball in. But it's, it's, it's very, very simple. It is a very good passing move from Nottingham Forest don't get me wrong but I think the biggest issue here is 
it both times we've gone one 0 down this season, we end up having not having won the game. Then is that a problem? The way we play is only suited if we're level or in the lead. I don't know, but yeah, there are questions to be asked. And that first goal, as much as it is beautiful football, there was no pressure, there was no intensity to try and close the Forest player down. But yeah, it's not the way you want to start the game. And I've said this multiple times since the game that if we don't concede that goal in the first five minutes, we'll probably end up going winning that game two or three one, two or three nil. Yeah, 100%. And, and and there's lots to be said, Jack, for Fulham trying to break down teams. We just, okay, we have lots of the ball. We have um, lots of possession in, in quite good areas, you know, deep into their half. And we pass it sideways and we manage to get in decent crossing positions. And then the cross is never great. And actually, can you remember that many clear-cut chances, especially in the first half? I, because... There was very, very few. Joe Bryan hit a shot just wide from distance, but yeah. they were all quite low-quality shots in terms of the likeliness of it going in, for, yeah. if you were want to talk about XG and all that stats. Nonsense. <laughs> I watched the highlights back this morning, and I there was no real clear-cut chance in that first half. The Bryan shot, as you said, was the closer we came. There was a ball into the box. Mitrovic could have got his head to it. The keeper did really well. Um, the keeper just had a, a really good day for him and, and for the Forest fans, but... Yeah, the first half we were too slow. Knockout just kept cutting in and, and it was a little bit too How many basic. times have we said that, though? The amount of times we've yeah. said we haven't been that good in the first half, we haven't started the game too well. We keep well. starting slow. Yeah, you, you, you look, I'm looking at Barnsley, I'm looking at Blackburn. Even that first half against Millwall, I know we had 89% possession, but we weren't scintillating, I guess you can say. We actually are scintillating. Certainly Stuff sort first, of came in the second half. Well, the fir- first 15 minutes, I thought, was probably the weakest part of the match. Mm. And we need to come out of the blocks a little bit more, especially if, it turns out that we are a team that is better holding on to a lead than fighting back. Norwich last season seemed to get a kick out of going behind. Yeah. They seem to rally when they were 1-0 down or 2-1 down and they seem to always find a way. I don't think Fulham's that team. I'm sure we will come back to win a few games this season, but I even remember under Jokanovic, coming back to win was was not all that frequent. Yeah, it was often that we'd score, we'd get paid back, and then we'd go back into the lead again. We weren't actually trailing. I mean, if you look at Leeds this season, they haven't been trailing in one minute so far. They've gone ahead in all of their games, and that's probably suiting the way they play. I'm not saying they won't be able to come back from behind. They probably will, but I think it's so important for the ways that teams like us and Leeds like to play football that if if you go into the ascendancy, then you've got all the momentum in that game. So I think that it is a concern. I wouldn't say it's a problem yet, but you know, I said it on Twitter after the game that... I didn't think we played badly. However, we didn't create enough chances. I think we were, we were moving the ball about perfectly fine. But, you know, I think someone pointed this out on Twitter that, you know, if you, when you're looking at Mitrovic, Caviar and Knockout Kearney, people saying, oh, are they Premier League quality or not? Well, you can maybe see that's maybe why they're not quite up to that level because they aren't creating the chances. And, you know, they if in the Premier League, you don't even get that many chances. So maybe that's why they're, they're at the level they are. But yeah, I didn't think we were we played badly in the game at all. I just don't think we were creating the chance. I think we were a bit too passive in possession. And I thought we maybe not, I don't know, more direct, but just getting the ball to the front line and getting the ball in the box a bit more would have been a lot help. Because even if you look at the goal, let's say, I know it's a finish, but it from from when, when I saw it instantly, I thought he's just swung a leg at it and it's gone in. It's not quite like that, but if you know what I mean, apart, it's not like a, we've we've created a chance there. I feel like it it came about not through luck, but I just feel like we weren't creating anything, and that was our biggest that's our biggest problem. And you know, against teams against teams like that, I think it was probably we need to get the ball in the box more because mm. we weren't really putting the Nottingham Forest defence under any real threat. No, and and there's not that many bodies in the box really all you're aiming at is Mitrovic mm. because Kearney's never screaming 
to get into the box. Sometimes Johansson is, but yeah. even in the second half, I didn't think Bobby Reed was quite getting in there enough. And you can criticise the crosses all you want, whoever's up there, Joe Bryan, Cavallero, Knockhart. But if they've only got one person out of six in the box to, to try and aim at... Mm then it's it's very, very difficult. And it's either needle stuff. And really, that's how the goal came about. It's just, you, know, you put the ball in there enough times and eventually it's going to find the feet of Mitrovic. But it's not effective enough. However, I think throughout the rest of the first half, I wasn't that worried. I was kind of sitting there thinking, <clears throat> we're going to get back into this game. Forest were creating barely anything. They, mm. were, they were looking okay going forward, but I just really wasn't concerned. We were lapping up everything. Reem, I thought, was actually having a t- terrific game mm. and just looked so composed on the ball. And then kind of disaster struck just after the hour mark. Lewis Graman had already grabbed one. I think he'd gone six games without a goal against Fulham. So you just knew that he was going to turn it on today. It was a mistake from Steven Sessegnon. Um, he kind of dummied out of the way of Tim Ream, which and then beat Marcus Bettinelli at his near posts. I mean, if anyone's to blame for the goal, who is most to blame? Because there's a few candidates here. I don't know if there's any one person to really blame for this goal. I feel like it's a sort of team collective effort of not defending properly. You know, I know you can point the ball to point at Stephen Session and say he lost the ball to Sammy Amiobi, but then for me, Bettinelli, it's been a weird one this season because I don't think he's been that good. Personally, I think that I think I read a stat that out of all the 24 goalkeepers in the league who've played, obviously, only four or five games. I know you know you had Sam becoming for Murich, but I think he's made the least amount of saves. I think is what I read going into the game. I think he only made four or five saves all season long out of the first three or four games. Mm. So I think there's an issue there, and he gets beaten as near post. And how many times has that happened in a Fulham shirt for him? Haven't it, Barnsley? In f- for the, for the how, goal. I, I I see that, but is he really expected to say no? That? But his positioning for me yeah, is is, just... is completely off here. I feel like he's sort of in the middle of the goal when the shot opens. He's he's telling Graben to knock it in his near post. For me, because I mean I do see the argument that it would have had to be an extraordinary effort for Graben to get that at the far post, considering that Ream was covering was covering. I mean he can't cover every conceivable angle, whatever. I don't know. It is I, a, I'm not taking away. It's a great finish by Lewis Grubb, but the Bettinelli can position himself a lot better there. And it says it says something if he's only made what four, only made four or five saves in three or four games going into this. I know we we've been we dominate possession a lot and we don't get too many shots on our goal, but you still expect your keeper to make in saves. I do feel like Bettinelli is scored against more than more than the saves he actually makes. See, I I'm not certain. He still does have the odd world class save. I don't think he's had an awful lot to do I think there was that first game against Barnsley which was 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 a bit poor but I don't, mm. I don't think it was was fully his fault the goal against Huddersfield well I mean he actually nearly pulled off a world class yeah. save in order to do yeah, it yeah no no he did I think you know obviously people criticize I think his distribution but I think you can you can be criticizing any goalkeeper's distribution and who is who is his age because you know these goalkeepers haven't learned to play football that way give it 10 years 15 years time most goalkeepers will be very good footballers because through the academies they'll be t- being taught how to play this way. But you know, a lot of goalkeepers have had to change the way they play as goalkeepers because then they were they weren't brought up to be able to kick the ball thirty yards to their fullback. So I think his distribution, I think I can get a buy just because you know that's something you're gonna have to learn. It's something that you can just know instantly. And also, not many of his peers in the championship are 
stunning at exactly i think that's one thing you know everyone is, is expecting everyone to be like an edison or an allison but you they're still prone to their mistakes because because of the way they play it's, it's risk versus reward i mean you just love to look at you know adrian if you look at adrian look at lonergan you look at um allison at liverpool right they're three of the most polar opposite goalkeepers and you expect them to play the same style of football it it, it just yeah. doesn't work like that but going back yeah going back to point of better now, i think he is beaten too easy at his near post due to his positioning and for me I'm not say, I'm not in, in the world saying he should be dropped but it will be interesting to see how probably Marcus Rodak gets on against Southampton tomorrow night yeah I'm expecting Rodak to start um, I'm expecting that none of that 11 that started on yeah. uh, Saturday's play because we, you know Cardiff away is such a big game for us yeah Cardiff away is a huge game and it's I think we'll see maybe Josh Ryan might come in and, and Bobby Reid and, and then hopefully well not hopefully but Cyrus Christie will probably start as well I mean it. yeah I, I, I would be interested to see what Rodak can bring and I don't know there is something about Bettinelli I just have a lot of respect for, for Bettinelli over what he's done over the years maybe he could be do a little bit better I, I, it's really really hard to know did anyone else think that went far post from the Hammersmith end well I saw it nick off the post and obviously go did, into the oh see I had no because it went the way that it went off the post and then kind of went across the goal I just fully assumed he'd hit that far post and, and got it straight into the top cord and I was like wow what a finish it was only when I saw the highlights yeah. straight after the game that I realised he'd actually hit it near post I don't know maybe just the angle I was at in the Hammersmith end um, so second half uh, we made the change of Steph Joe on for Bobby Reed. I thought that Bobby was, was okay I don't think he influenced the game mm. an awful lot and after they scored their second we really did try to throw the kitchen sink at it I mean I don't I'm still baffled as to the formation that we ended up playing by the end of the game. I found this with Scott Parker this season. He's like someone playing football manager. He really is. Because, like, let's take the Blackburn game. This is this is vintage football manager in the Blackburn game, right? So he brings on and we, we're playing that 4-1-4-1 with basically everyone in... Well, four, I basically said 4-1-5 because basically everyone was going forward. Then as soon as we get our second goal in the league, it's when you you know, you know go ultra-attacking and you try to get a goal to give yourself a 2-0 lead. Then as soon as you score, you go, right, we're going to go contain and bring on another defender in Maxine and Marshall. Then what formation at points on Saturday was like 3-2-3-2 or 3-2-2-3, whatever it was. And if when we did bring on Bobby Reid for Steph Joe, we are playing... You know, 4-1-4-1 is a formation that teams play like Manchester City, but I'm not being funny here that Tom Kearney and Bobby Reid are not David Silva and Kevin De Bruyne. So it, it doesn't exactly work in the same way, the same way that Caviero and Nocca are not Bernardo Silva and Raheem Sterling. So for me, it, I understand why he's doing it to get more players up and near Mitrich because that's where Mitrich is, is at his best. But I just don't know if Scott Parker has got the right tactical now to adapt to a situation at the moment. It's very, very early days. It's his first permanent job. Let's you know, let's be let's be serious here. But I just as we said earlier in the Blackburn, is he our biggest weakness? Possibly. But for me, I just for some to fin- to finish a game that you're chasing with a right hand side of Cyrus Christie and Abukar Kamara just simply isn't gonna get you back into the game. Well the the Kamara substitution baffled me. S- Steven Sessignon, who, you know, had had a tough game I actually thought, in most part, he was fine. He made two glaring... Well, not glaring errors, only one big error and maybe... Was and you can of... argue he's in the wrong position for the first goal, but yeah. I think you are clutching at straws at that point. Because I think you've also got to look at Knockout there as well, because yeah. Session was tucking in, but still, and then you expect Knockout to be going out wide. He's contributed potentially to a goal, and then there's a mistake for the second one. I don't think anyone can deny that. To bring on Kamara, who... With a, so, where, so there was suddenly no right back, so you kind of had a three at the back, one of those being... Joe Bryan it just felt like for a little while we just were not bothering with the right hand side if it they was, wanted to go up the left they they were at will because Kamara 
well, just did not stick to whatever position that he was told to. He was on the other side of the pitch at uh, a couple of points. I just couldn't quite work out what we were trying to do. I think we needed a bit more pace down the wing. I think obviously Sessegnon coming off because he played 90 on Wednesday. You know, it's logical to take him off. His probably legs, are, uh, his legs are gone at that point. But it was like we were trying to get back in the game, and we would take that risk and, and then maybe, maybe losing the game three or four nil because Forrest would catch us on the break so at times we'd have about seven or eight it was about seven attacking players in the box every time we get the ball on the wing and, and even then we were trying to um, get Arta to feed off the scraps and Arta was just picking up the ball and just laying it out I wide did feel time. like we were playing into the way that Forrest wanted us to. Yeah. As in, they wanted us to have all his men box because they know with their defence, they were they defended brilliantly yeah. on, on the weekend. I, don't, I think not enough people are giving Forrest enough credit because everyone says that, oh, away from home, you know, oh, it's a great performance. And then it was, but I, I, I said it, I said it last week, like, the amount of scrappy away wins we got, really, under Savic Dzukanovic in that season, you know, Sheffield Wednesday, Preston, Middlesbrough, wasn't yeah. scintillating football at its best it was just getting the result that we needed and that's what happened with them you know they took their chances and you know everyone says about about the time wasting right the problem is is you if you're the away team that's what you want your team to do yeah yeah if if, that, if, if we are what one nil up or two nil up or two one up you know away from home at cardiff let's say on friday night you surely you're gonna want fulham players to be doing that well also i've seen Bestnelli doing similar time wasting although i did think samba took it a little bit <laughs> too far. I genuinely at one point thought he might get a second. But then I don't, I don't the think the referee has, has but, the... But then it's down to the referee to discipline the players. Yeah. But that was the thing. And he was, even when, like, a very simple rule to enforce, you get substituted and you go off at the nearest point. It wasn't happening. And their left winger got substituted. I've, I've forgotten who it, it was. Sammy Amiobi? It was Thiago Silva. And he got substituted and just dawdled the entire way across the pitch. There is a brand new rule. Surely that referee has been educated on that rule. Make him go off at the nearest point. Stop. And once like, he allows them to do that, then Forrest is thinking he's not going to... Yeah, exactly. He's not going to do anything today. And it's just really, really frustrating because it killed a game and it's the referee's fault that it's eight minutes of yeah, added time but, when there was only two goals. But another thing I don't get here is obviously, so Samba gets a yellow card for time wasting, right? But he's then committing that offence over and over. The he's, same offence. Yeah, exactly. It's wasting the same amount of time and therefore... And he's done it previously. So I don't see what makes one of those incidents a yellow card and what doesn't. I mean, it just adds to an embarrassing weekend of officiating. I think anyway, if you just look at the three Premier League games yesterday, there's three penalty shouts. One's given and the other two aren't. And with VAR, you expect all three to be given, especially that David Silva one. I know it's gone off on tangent, but again, it's... I just... I don't... There's no consistency with officiating in the Football League at the moment, including the Premier League as well. So, yeah, it, you can look at the ref, but then you've got to look at your team. It's a 90-minute game. You need to create the chances for you to score those goals. And we simply didn't create the chances. I think it's a weak excuse to blame the referee for anything, really, on Saturday for me, because we just simply didn't create the chances ourselves. You know, if we were like... If we hit the bar three times and keepers make three wonder saves, then maybe. But we didn't create the chances to win the game. Yeah, we relied on added time to get us out of jail. And, you know, 
you can say that I don't think the referee had the cojones to to send off the keeper. I'm not saying he he had a good game, but I don't think you can but, blame the loss on it. I think towards the end no. it petered out because there was such a disruption in flow that it was really really hard for Fulham to kind of generate any wave. And I get that it's part of the game, but the referee has the ability to be able to stop that. Of course, Forrest are going to do it. I'm not going to go at Nottingham Forest. Yeah, we I mean, do it as well. So we would do it, but then after a while, a referee would would stop it. But and then, all, you can also you, you mentioned City Tactical Foul, you know, that's disrupting the flow of the game and the referee will officiate that. I think it's simply just the tactic that teams need to will use to slow the game down is what any team will do. I just yeah, I think I just don't feel like the referee did have any control of that game, but again, he's not to blame for the reason why we lo- were lost three points on the weekend. Can we talk about anti knock up? Yeah. Because brief. look, I, I Certainly, uh, certain members of this podcast have taken a little bit of a stick for their opinions on Anthony Knockhart. And he's a he's a magnificent player in lots of ways. He is like a Duracell bunny. And the way that actually he, he charged down the keeper in mm. the first half, he went from defending a free kick all the way to nearly blocking down a keeper's clearance, so much so that he had to kick it straight out of play in seconds. It was it was staggering to watch and he's riling up the crowd and it's it's amazing. It's so good to have that kind of player, that kind of player you absolutely you, you love to see. Mm. And then towards the end of the game, I thought we saw the side of Anthony Knockhart that I I feared that we might see. Cross after cross after cross that was just nowhere near good enough. Free kicks that weren't good enough. And part of me just wanted someone like Floyd Aite, who might have just got his foot on the ball and had a little bit of quality on him. And I just thought that actually you saw both sides of anti knockout. Some of the great, but also it was very frustrating. And I, and there was something about the fact that he kept wanting to, to, to do everything by himself. Yeah. I think the problem with knockout is not that he was being vintage knockout or anything but I think he's just he was just getting frustrated and I think any play, I know not every player is going to be doing that but I think it was just down to frustration as opposed to his bad side coming out I think as you, if you mentioned if we did bring on someone like Floyd Aite then that's just the fresh impetus in the game that maybe we needed I don't think it was knockout throwing his toys at the pram I just feel like it was he was just getting frustrated with, 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 the, with how the game was flowing and that's why he kept putting his aimless crosses in I understand that you should probably if it's not working you know change it up a bit but yeah I don't I'm not going to blame his him on that in this sense. I just think he was getting frustrated I think all, all we were even the fans were so I yeah. think it would have been nice to some fresh impetus on that side but I don't think you can totally blame Anthony Knockhart on that situation I think because he cares so much he's willing to do every, anything and everything to get something from the game so there was that instance where he did that terrible corner and added time but then he's straight over there to take that throw in and get the game going again I, I have no I think his heart's in the right place yeah exactly of course yeah. it is of course I don't, it is he means no wrong by, by what he's doing but um, I just think that if you're going to be running that much you're going to be tying yourself out so by the time it goes to added time your legs are going to be are going to be gone by the time you're going to take a corner can't get it past the first man but then again in the first half he couldn't get corners past the first man I think there was like two that, that went into the actual box but sometimes you just need to have a little bit of control yeah, over composure. your own over your own fitness and just realise that you aren't an endless cycle of, of energy you mm. will burn out at some point and actually is it essential to charge down the goalkeeper in the 25th minute because actually you really needed your energy in the final few minutes and then and he just looked to be a little bit flagging but anyway maybe it's a minor point and i'm getting too hung up on it nice goal from mitrovic really good finish um, tomorrow set up though yeah I, 
I don't think you can knock it. I know that I don't think Kamara was particularly impressive when he came on, but if he comes he put, on, he, and gets he put assists, the ball in the right position to allow Mitrovic to score the goal. I don't think it's necessarily he has carved out and created a chance here for <laughs> Mitrovic. I think he's put the ball in the right area, which I guess you can say Anthony Knockup wasn't doing. Yeah. And then Kamara swings a leg at it, not Kamara, Mitrovic swings a leg at it, and it goes in. I think that what people are, people are forgetting that we are still in the playoff places in the table at the moment. I think one thing that's sort of going in everyone's favour, apart from, you know, if you're looking at Swansea and Leeds, a lot of the teams who you expect to be chatting for promotion are dropping points, which mm. is which is a good thing. I think if you told people at the end of August, let's say we get a point or we win even on Friday night, that we will be in the playoff place, I think people would have taken take that it. after August. Because, again, the league table, as we know, doesn't really matter until January. It's just make sure you don't you build some form of momentum to challenge at the end of the season. You don't want to do a Leeds United. You don't want to do a Derby County. And be challenging, looking great in the first six months of the season, and then fall away at the end. You want to slowly keep, keep it burning and then properly kick into gear come February, March time. Is there an element of looking at previous automatic promotion teams and you know look at Norwich last year only lost six games we've already lost two you can't really afford to be losing two of every five. no I don't you can't be losing afforded to be losing but I also I also think this different this championship season is gonna be different to any other championship season yeah. as opposed there is I don't think there'll be a runaway leader I think going into the final mu- the month for the season six weeks that there will be four teams still all five teams even going through automatic promotion you know no one's expecting Swansea start to the season they look great you know Charlton as well yeah, I mean Charlton I just will fall off yeah. <laughs> like uh, Ian Mill have had a good start as well apart from their loss to us you know if you take that out they've had a very good start to the season was it would be eight, eight points or from the first five games so I think that we, we, we it's fine we're fine like th- what happened on Saturday is just a championship you know I think there is cause for concern if it becomes a running theme that if we concede first we can't get back into the game but yeah. I don't th- I think people are worrying too much and I think that you know as long as as you said we need to just be in and amongst it going into the killer months of the season and I think as long as we keep doing what we're doing you know we, remember the team is the team is still gelling we, you know we're still be- bedding in these deadline day signings so yeah. for me I think yeah it's it's it's, it's fine it, it could be better but it's fine how it is at the moment and don't forget the season that we did go up can you remember how we started the season I think we may have had three out of our four opening home games we can conceded late equalisers we in drew all our of, first three, yeah because yeah. we drew uh, we conceded late equaliser against Norwich I think then Cyrus Christie scored one of them he scored for Middlesbrough yeah because I think Ryan was it Kamara I think may have scored and then they yeah. went up the around and scored yeah. and we did the picks. same against Cardiff where Sessignon scored and, yeah. and, and Cardiff scored late on and we were looking at that thinking oh no Fulham can't put games to bed we go 1-0 up and we can't see it out and we're trying to look for a trend and Quite quickly, I mean, I'm not saying, obviously it went a bit pear-shaped after that before we actually managed to do what we did and and get back up the table. But you can look at trends early on, but hopefully with time and a bit of teething, it's better that we're having these problems now and we're maybe trying to iron out some of these problems early on in the season rather than it costing us late on in the season. Anyway, um, good discussion over all the points from Forrest. And as you say... A little bit of cause for concern, but definitely no need to panic as of yet. We're going to turn our attentions next to Tuesday's Carabao Cup game against Southampton. Hello, Dom here. If you want an extra Fulham audio fix each week, check out the Fulham Band Show on Love Sport Radio, which is every Wednesday from 9 to 10pm UK time. There's plenty of Fulham discussion and regular interviews with ex-players too. If you can't listen live, just search for Fulham Fan Show in your podcast app of your choice and get it on demand wherever you like. Hello and welcome back to the Fulhamish Podcast. Sammy James here with Jack Kelly. Good afternoon, or good evening. <laughs> and Don Betts. Hello, hello. Been making lots of appearances on the pod recently, Jack. I know, I know. It's been it's been a special time. Um, 
I'm, we're coming to questions in, in a second. I just wanted to bring this one to the table from Ashley, who said, should we sign Jack Leach and play him at centre-back after his defensive masterclass for England yesterday? I wouldn't, I wouldn't be against that. I think Jack Leach would do a job. Jack Leach is world-class. He's, he's, he'd be a world-class footballer as well. The best, the best one out everyone's ever seen. Or was it one off the last 72? This one out of a 72-run partnership? I mean, you'd love to see it. I have never been into cricket until this summer and suddenly I'm a massive fanboy and I'm fully jumping on the bandwagon. I really appreciate that. But yesterday was magic. Test match special, mm. barbecue on. It was brilliant. Glorious. It? Well, was it, the I, I, it was great to see because I missed the World Cup final uh, finale because I, 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 did, I was on a flight to pre-season. So <laughs> our flight took off from Gatwick. I think one ball left of the normal the normal over uh, left in the World Cup final and I missed the super whole over. the super over I had like 300 messages when I arrived in Faro <laughs> so it was great to, great to see this one but like, I was just sitting in my living room with my dad and we were like come on just just, just do this just do this and then and then my mum not I mean, clue what was going on was just asking oh they want the ashes no no we haven't not yet mum but um, no <laughs> we haven't I, lost the ashes yeah exactly it's no it was, it, it's great that, ev- that the cr- crickets you know in everyone's forefront of what's what they want to watch at the moment because mm. I'm you know I remember the the euphoria that was around the 2005 Ashes series when I first started getting into cricket that but actually I remember us winning the Ashes that year as opposed to remembering certain moments within the series and then obviously I enjoyed you know cricket for the next what, five or six years or so and I sort of fell out of love of it again and then you know back this year everyone's in love even the, even the Vitality Blast this year has been really really good sorry I've been terrible but that's that's not the main point here um, but yeah no it's, it's great to see and yeah get Jack Leach at the back world class yeah I'm- I mean, the fact that he was misting out his glasses throughout most of the uh, of the I'm all, I'm, all here, I'm all here for it. Was was incredible and uh, a rise of Ben Stokes. A um, couple of little bits of admin, just quickly. Um, first of all, is about uh, the Fulhamish fantasy football. I made an almighty cock up. So there's the Fulhamish League, and we've got we're very proud of our Fulhamish League. We have a lot of people in the Fulhamish League, and and you're all welcome to join it. And then some of the lads that run Fulhamish, we have a private league that we have for ourselves. And I think there's a wager on it or whoever. I don't know why we bothered putting a wager on it, considering that George Singer and Dara, uh, one of our other guys that helps us, um, are fantasy football geeks and they have spreadsheets and the like. And we just have no chance. But anyway, I, on one of the recent podcasts, gave out the code to our private league and not to the public league. Um a hundred people joined out of nowhere suddenly our little private league and uh, we've had a couple of emails being like why have you kicked me out of the league i was in i was in there i was having a nice time okay we're sorry it's because i made a cock up so the actual code to the main league is kxna37 so if you play fantasy premier league kxna37 you'll be all set and you can join the public league um, not the one where you can see how embarrassing Don Betts is at fantasy football. Mate, I'm fearful I'm above you, so... Are you? Yeah, I am. I'm, I've got, I'm, I'm beating you by four points. But, you, you know, Jack Collins is sitting there in second in the Fulhamish League. Yeah. Uh, but obviously George Singer's top, and he's top by about 40 points. George, Jack did some fantasy football stuff, though. He got some fantasy football experts on, though, for his podcast that he does at his work. So I feel like he's had a little bit of a... But a yeah, uh, AF is that. currently one sitting bottom on only 119 points. I don't bother with it because last season, um, every time we lost a Premier League game, people would be like, oh, at least whoever scored against us is in my fantasy team. And I just went, well, 
go away. Yeah, I think it's the first year I've played fantasy since Leicester won the league. I've not I've not took part in it the last couple of seasons. But I thought, you know, there's there's a, there's a big work league, so I got got involved in that. But you know, people at work seem to be very because I was bottom going into this week. So thankfully, Angus Gunn and Raúl Jiménez came clutch. Good stuff. Um, also, um, this season, you may notice we do the full time videos from the old Suffolk Punch. Um, if you are listening and you would potentially be interested in taking part in our full time we just like to get a different breadth of Fulham opinions you don't mean Jack Collins on every week look Dom I respect your opinions but it's nice to sometimes hear a a variation yeah well yes basically you took the words right out of my mouth a variation on that so uh, and especially if you um, do anything Fulham related you either have a blog or you have a book that you want to sell that's about Fulham or maybe you do something else to do with Fulham maybe you work for an association or something there's lots of Fulham groups out there and and it's an open invitation so hello at fulhamish.co.uk if you're going to a home match we record these videos after every match um, and it's just a nice little opportunity to give your opinion um, on on our channel so please do get in contact if that works for you Um, we record it at the Old Suffolk Punch we buy you a beer it's a nice time right let's move on to the Southampton game which is on Tuesday night in the Carabao Cup does anyone care? no not really now we're playing Cardiff on Friday we kind of have to win no it's not even that it's because we're playing Southampton like, I, it's I, I, such a boring draw like I think when I when, I think I I think I was actually on the tube home from us doing one of these podcasts maybe and I think that's when the draw was happening I can't remember if it was I was on the tube or I was on the tube for some reason I think no maybe I've been to the pub or something after work I don't know and then I was like they all blur into one after and then, a while <laughs> yeah and then like so I think it was like oh Southampton home I was like that's, that just stinks like no one wants that like I mean I would I actually didn't want a new ground this time just because I wouldn't a new ground the next round just because I didn't feel like taking time off work while with, with Cardiff away being on Friday then going on holiday the following week but also if we got Cardiff away in this draw that I would really like to know how many people would have gone to both because what it would be then the Tuesday then the Friday yeah well that, that is one thing we are complaining but there could have been a couple of worse draws probably Cardiff away Cardiff away would have been the worst possible draw at least is at home I guess I mean well when I say that it's just very unmotivational thing is I mean we're both going to play second string 11s you would imagine that Southampton's second string 11 is a little bit stronger mm-hmm. than ours the only thing I would be interested to see and why I will watch it is to see what kind of lineup we put out and to see what performances it's got It's got to be a totally different 11 to the one he's played the last three games yeah well who would who would we particularly like so to see? I, I was thinking about this today and I was like well I think Rodak in goal <laughs> I think right back you saw a lot Christie in I think centre back I think Reem probably Real Mawson probably stay then move in Dennis Adoy then you know because all all the Marshall then play over Adoy or Marshall on the left back because there literally isn't anyone else and you've got the midfield you're thinking anyone you've got Harrison Reed. I'm thinking you've got Luca Della Torre here Matt O'Reilly you've got Matt O'Reilly I'm trying uh, that would be Kevin, Mc, Kevin McDonald like we've got the midfielders there who can you know Josh Onomah so I mean for me I, I said probably McDonald sitting Reed sort of box to box and then Onomah as the more advanced central midfielder I mean as much as I would love to see Delatore and Matt O'Reilly play Delatore's been the most likely because he's been on the bench a couple of times yeah. then going forward I'd expect Bobby Reed with maybe Aisa and Kamara running off him that team's perfect fine for me because for me I don't care about the Carabao Cup last season I probably cared about it more just because you know a cup uh, Yes, staying up in Premier is great, but if we drop down the Championship, I'm not bothered. Whereas here, we we're aiming for promotion, and we need to be focusing on that. It's a bit like how 
you know, it's the opposite of the Wolves in a, in a sense that I think they should be focusing on Europa League rather than the Premier League. But yeah. for us, the championship is to be on end all this season. You know, if we got to the semi-finals of the Carabao Cup and it means we didn't get automatic promotion, I think I don't think anyone would really have taken it. We, we got to the final, so it's a different matter. But I don't see that happening. Yeah, I, I, for me, the Carabao Cup when you're in the championship takes absolutely no importance whatsoever. Well, it just adds another like one or two games a month into your calendar. Whereas if you you're don't in the need. Premier League, even though I knew that we were fighting relegation last season, that was the most important thing. If you're in the Premier League, you have a chance of winning this yeah. thing. And you just don't have a chance of... I mean, when there has there ever been a championship team? Bristol City got to the semi-final a couple of years ago and that completely scuppered their, their playoff hopes. Yeah, exactly. So they get to the semi-final, they get a big day out against... United. Against, well, the thing is, it wouldn't, be, it wouldn't be a big day out for us unless we get to the final because we would have been to any... We, most Fulham fans would have been to this big ground. It's not a big day out for us. Though, I mean, no. a two-legged semi-final would be quite fun it'd be fun if, let's say we're playing Chelsea or something but if we're playing City or Liverpool or something we're just going to get our asses absolutely handed to us so there's, there's not much there's not much point really unless you get into the final or you're going to get maybe a double-legged semi-final against Chelsea so yeah for me I, if we lose tomorrow night I just want to see some players I haven't seen this season how they play I want to see how well Harrison Re- how, what Harrison Reed offers I want to see possibly what Josh Onimo offers just you know same with Bobby Reed. we haven't really seen these signings and what they could offer to our team so it'd be good to see tomorrow night if what they can offer and if they can actually be a help to us this season Indeed uh, well that's pretty much it for talking about Southampton let's move on to uh, a few questions that we've got in on Twitter first we're going to Tamador Chowdhury are we making our wingers do too much? Defenders aren't going to step off Cav if he doesn't use Brian's overlapping run at least once, which he failed to do on Saturday. It does feel like Knockart and Cavalero are having to do everything. Uh, yeah, but I also feel like what they're doing is also leaving our fullbacks fairly exposed on the counter-attack. I think it's a, a two-edged sword here. and I, th- I think that we need to find the right balance because we know... If you're looking at comparing this team to the Slavisa team, I know they're playing two kind of different different ways of playing, but you know our fullbacks were so key to that in Fredericks and Matt Target or whoever was playing at the time. So I don't know. I don't know if the wingers are doing too much or we or the fullbacks aren't bombing on enough. But we saw with Cavallero that a Joe Bryan overlapping run creates space for him, and that's mm-hmm. what we need. They're they're trying to create their own space as opposed to the fullbacks creating the space for them, as we saw you know in the goal against Huddersfield. So I think that. I, I like our wingers are the ones we need are they doing too much possibly May, I just think they need once they gain more chemistry and there's that connection with their fullback so with with Joe Bryan for Cav and with Steven Sassignon for Anthony Knockout then I think it, once it clicks it'll be fine mm. I think you can argue both ways in a moment but I think you know it's just waiting for that connection to build really I think that's the main issue is you know if you're going to have overlapping wingbacks you, they need to have that sort of instant you know connection yeah you could see on Saturday that um Quickly, you could see that Knockout was or Knockout was getting um, doubled up on by the Forest defence, so he kind of needed that support from Sessegnon. Um What was really, yeah, as you mentioned, in the Huddersfield game, the the overlapping runs of Brian and Sessegnon were really key, and and Sessegnon would get in behind the defence and had a shot on target. So I think that are they doing too much? I think. I think they just need that support from from the wingbacks. I I I, I also think I also think they play. both want to do too much. If that makes sense. Oh yeah. They are both trying too hard, especially in Knockout's case. I actually think Cavalero, apart from maybe the middle game, hasn't actually been that good. Yeah. He scored passive. the goal. He scored the goals, but he, he wasn't in the game. Look at the Huddersfield game. Start off in that first off, he was non-existent really. Mm. So I think I don't know if it's them doing too much. I think they're just trying to impress and you know endear themselves to the fun faithful, and you know they just haven't got that connection with the fullbacks yet. I don't think it's anything really that's too much to worry about. They have a lot to offer though. I mean, they came with pedigree, Knockout and Caviero, and you saw even from day one 
that Caviero had the tricks to get around the Barnsley defence. He just didn't have the end product. I think as the season goes on, which he, they could become more integral into the play. And obviously, if they can provide crosses for Mitrovic, all the better. Uh, Tony Montgomery, do you think doing something constructive with corners might be an idea? Sounds like a good idea to me, Tony. <laughs> yeah, but how many teams are? Well, if you read George Singer's uh, wonderful article a few months back on corners, you'll realise that uh, not many teams score many corners. Yeah, I mean, how many how many times... I know we saw, obviously, Liverpool do it against Arsenal on the weekend, but how many times really do teams are teams scoring from corners? I mean, it's usually down to poor defending than good attacking, I feel like, when it comes to goals from corners. I often feel like it's a defender leaving his man if they're not sure they're doing man-to-man or zonal. So... I don't know. I do think. I do think when it gets later on in the game, we do. We should be putting the ball into the box more. But mm. I feel like you know the corners for me is sort of just a bit like a throw in. Now you just want to retain the ball and then create or try something different where you can create the space. I think the corner isn't now isn't about whipping the ball into the box. I think it's actually about using an alternative way to create space for you to get a chance on goal. And unfortunately, we didn't use it. But I think there is too much emphasis put on corners because people assume it means I oh, can get the ball in the box. Defender wins a header. Midrich wins a header. It's going to be a goal. Yeah. yeah. And I think that it's actually quite funny like how many times any club will win a corner and how excited the crowd will get. And then inevitably, it just ends up being you know a non-event. But... I think I prefer like short corners because again, like it creates some space and Brian like can get a better whip on the ball that goes into the you know the back post and then, like maybe a second phase from a corner as well. I kind of like combination play from corner, but you know I don't get too excited by a corner. But with players like Mitrovic and Mawson, you, you never know what's going to happen in the box. Um, quick one: we were discussing who might be playing in the Southampton game tomorrow. Uh, Josh Onama, De La Torre, Francois, and O'Reilly. Um, O'Reilly <laughs> uh, have all been left out the under twenty threes tonight against Stoke. So likely yeah. that we'll see That's all good. four of those um, at least in the squad. Yeah, I, I, ex- I would like to see Josh Onama start. Matt O'Reilly, Francois probably only be on the bench, but you could see Delatore come into the midfield as well. But as we mentioned earlier, for me, the team I'd like to see is Rodak, Christie, then maybe Reem or Mawson, along with Adoy and Lamarchon. I'd probably rather have Adoy at fullback than Maxime Lamarchon. Midfield, three of McDonald, Harrison Reed, and Josh Onama, with then the front three of, you know, Robbie Reed, Aita, and Kamara. As much as I want to see Matt O'Reilly play, he hasn't been involved in the matchday squad, so I can't see him starting. But yeah, I mean, I'd much rather see him play than, let's say, he could replace Ken McDonald, and then we play Harrison Reed deep and Matt O'Reilly in the centre. So, yeah, for me, it's just not the 11 players who are going to play on Friday night not playing tomorrow night. Um, question here from John. This is from about a week ago, actually, but I don't think it was picked up in what, the podcast last week. It's probably because it was on a Sunday. Um, said about Mitro's antics. Can we get a quick discussion on Mitro's antics when it came to feigning that head injury in the second half against Huddersfield? I love him as much as the next fan, but I thought it was very poor from him. I don't care. As long yeah, as it I'm really not. I'm not. I'm not that bothered by it because, well, he, would you be bothered if it was another player? Yes, but that's not the point here, right? <laughs> because it, that haven't. That's just football fans and footballers for yeah. you. So for me, like, it doesn't bother me because we got the three points. Yeah, I think. I think. At the end of the day, all I all, we, all I really care about is getting the three points. Or well, I mean, people do. We do care about how we how we play and how we get. But like for me, the most important thing in that in the Huddersfield game was getting the three points. I don't. I'm not really too bothered by it at all. I mean, if Mitrovic is going to be a wind up much in the season, and I'm more than happy for it to be so because I just think it's a bit pathetic. Yeah, but at the same I, time, I, I think it's I mo- love Mitrovic. I just, th- I just I just think it's pathetic that fans care. Yeah, grown adults really getting upset. I've never seen more a more angry bunch of. fans I, I understand that you don't want you don't want your player cheating, but for 
I don't think that's, I don't, I don't see it as cheating. Obviously, it's going it's to wind up me if it's an opposition player, but I think that is just football for you. I think you're expecting everyone to be acting like 100% like politely or whatever. Yeah. I just, I just, I, I'm not too bothered by it at all. If it becomes a reoccurring problem, then maybe it's something to look into, but we've got the three points at the end of the day away at Huddersfield, so I'm not that bothered. No, I, well, I'm not sure I fully agree on that. I like Mitch very much as the next person, but I watched that and I just just cringed a bit. I just thought, oh, Mitro, you just didn't just didn't need to. When yeah. it's when it's Steph Joe actually getting a result out of um, jo- James Madison or That's something cool. like that, and he's actually really contributing to something, he's really getting something out of it. Great, but Mitro didn't even he just lost all respect from a lot of people. I just thought I just thought it was a bit crap. But yeah, at the end of the day, it doesn't really affect um, us in the grand shape of things because we still won the match um that's pretty much it from the fulhamish podcast today um before we go i've got a um i've got a chant suggestion seen as seen as our own jack kelly now loves um creating a chant i i want to say something i don't know why everyone got really upset with me i i, I, I thought it was a so joke tell us your chant come on no because not not everyone's on twitter Look, old town road you know Lil nas song the one that's been trending all, all year all summer I imagine there's a lot of people that don't know that song, but no. It, but look it up on Spotify. It's a I mean, song. I don't even have a Scooby. What it is? Sorry. So um, there's a verse after the chorus. Um, what I've done is I've wrote a, a verse with an option for a chorus. But but then again, don't take it too seriously. So it's Mawson at the back, Mitro in attack, Kenny pulling strings while Brian's tracking back. Rumming back with back isn't great. We could probably work on that. <laughs> yeah. Parker is the boss. Knockout with the cross falls to Caviero in the opposition box, and then and then from there you can you can take it anywhere. What what's what are you doing for the chorus? It goes. Is that Billy Ray Cyrus song? Is Fulham's that gonna win down. promotion. Probably not, but. But what about the old town robot? Take me down to the old town road. Yeah, exactly. So what's, what's the line for that? Right gonna, it's gonna take my friends down old Stevenage Road. We're gonna oh, drink no, some pints. No, it's, and it's, it's awful, <laughs> not honestly, but but people getting upset. No, mate, just, I've, 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 I've done two chants in two seasons now. Call me Junior Creative at Fulham Football Club. <laughs> I've done the matching the Marsh, matching the Marshall and Anthony Knockart in, two, in space two seasons. World class. All right, mine's quite simple, but you know, oh, right. And obviously now with with Rui Font gone, I feel like that's gone. But Super Harry Arter. Related to Scott Parker, he's always getting in the way, or never gives the ball away. Because honestly, he's brilliant. I think he does get he does give the ball away a bit, but anyway, never gives the ball away or always getting in the way. That's my yeah, suggestion. I like that. Yeah, so get it going. Do what you want with that, Dom. Eight nah, out, out, out of ten. It's still like part of an old chant. I'm, I don't like recycling chants. Although recycle- we recycle so many chants. exactly, <laughs> that's why I don't like it. You need you need new ones, like Voulez-vous by out of by is it Abba yeah Abba, Abba yeah. for Anthony Knockout so you just need a bit need a bit of inspiration Sorry, say this again voulez-vous <laughs> yeah Anthony Knockout running down the wing Knockout hear the Fulham sing Knockout we are gonna win the league that's brilliant I, I, I'm, I'm fully down for that yeah, yeah actually, fair play anything involving Abba is probably quite a good well class yeah. fine content original as well haven't heard that before from a different from a different club there we go. Our very own Don Betts. You heard it here first. Right. So thank you very much for listening to the Fulhamish podcast today. A uh, little bit rambly. Uh, we do need to name the podcast. What we thinking, chaps? Right. I'm going for a three-word review of Twitter this week from Rick Cardis with Robin Hood Robbery. Robin Hood Robbery. Very apt. The Sheriff of Nottingham coming down to Craven Cottage and nicking some points through a time-wasting goalkeeper and some questionable refereeing and a quite a nice goal for the opener. Um, 
so Fulhamish uh, will return on Wednesday night uh, we'll have some reaction uh, taken from our Love Sport Radio fan show after uh, to the Southampton game and then build up to that big match on Friday uh, against Cardiff City so uh, we'll see you on the next podcast Jack Kelly thank you very much I promise I'll behave at Cardiff <laughs> and <laughs> yeah I'll see you in the last antics uh, and Don Betts thank you very much um, we'll make sure I will not behave at Cardiff <laughs> good stuff wouldn't expect anything better uh, we'll see you very soon take care bye bye Laters.